Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined alongside my partner, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, it is a Monday, and it's a victory Monday for the Green Bay Packers. That feels pretty good to say, 34-20 to over the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday at Lambeau Field. A victory for interim head coach Joe Philbin in his Green Bay Packers head coaching debut. I'm not sure where you want to start with this one, but uh, a lot of good things happening on both sides of the ball here for the Packers on Sunday afternoon. And there was one common trait, Mike, that went for both the offense, defense, even the special teams. I thought there was a lot of energy. I thought there was a lot of uh, enthusiasm. And I wrote about it in what ended up being our sidebar, our locker room report, talking to some of these guys in the locker room afterwards, just the, how people had bought into what Joe Philbin was saying this week. It was his tumultuous as a time as the Green Bay Packers have had to go through here in 15 years and Joe Philbin hit all the right notes with those players uh offensively they knew him they were they were familiar with him they were comfortable with him the veterans that had been around during his first stint and the young guys that had bought into him since he came back but defensively he needed to sort of I don't want to say prove himself but introduce himself to a lot of guys who didn't really deal with him on a daily basis yeah. uh, from where his position was as the offensive coordinator. So in that regard, I thought the Packers, I said all week long, I thought this was going to go one of two ways for the Packers. I didn't see a middle ground. I thought they were either going to come out and play like champions or I thought they were going to look deflated, and they came out looking like champions. Yeah, they came out right from the get-go, and don't get me started on the challenges and the replay reviews or I'm going to say something <laughs> about the command center in New York City that will get me fired. Um, but uh, moving past that, the Falcons jump on top 7 to nothing, yes. and the Packers then respond not only with a touchdown – but with 34 consecutive points before the Packers' defense allowed Atlanta to score again, the game was well in hand then in the second half at 34-7. to There were a lot of things that I liked about this game, Wes, and I think, I think for me it just started with the very beginning, the first offensive possession, and I know people were wondering, well, why aren't the Packers trying to run the ball and all this? I think the game plan was clear in terms of getting Aaron Rodgers into a rhythm and into some kind of a comfort zone. Because sure. I was keeping track during that first possession. Aaron Rodgers dropped back to pass eight times on that drive, if you include the defensive pass interference that yeah. was part of that drive. Eight times he dropped back to pass, and seven of those eight times the ball was out on time and in rhythm. Only once was there a hold the ball, scramble around and look for another guy kind of thing. And I just thought that set the tone for the way this offense needs to play. I thought it put the Falcons' defense on its heels right away from the get-go to have Aaron Rodgers in that kind of a rhythm. And that really paid off through the first three quarters as the Packers built the big lead. So, you know, all week long they made such a big deal. Not a big deal, but people pointed out that Joe Philbin hadn't been an offensive coordinator calling you know plays yeah. since his time back at Northeastern in 1996. But what was interesting to me on that first series in particular, you know what that reminded me a lot of? 2011, in that they were using a short passing game, quick passing game, to get the offense moving. There was no regard whatsoever for the run early on. Jamal Williams started the game. Second play, he was out there. He ends up picking up a, a, you know, a rusher coming off the edge by himself. So they made it a point 
to get Aaron Rodgers into a rhythm, yep. and they use multiple personnel personnel packages to do that. Yeah, a lot of players shuffling in and out from and the then, sideline, play after play after yep. play. And then what happened then in the second half? Then you start to get the run going with Aaron Jones. I, I've one of the funnier things. I was talking to Aaron Jones in the locker room. They ran that screen, right, that went for minus one yard. And I kind of said, I was like, so what was going through your mind then when they dial up the same exact play to the right side? He's like, oh, they're never going to see this coming. You know, when you have a play that quote-unquote fails like that, why would you run the same exact thing to the other side? The Packers do that. They get the first down the 15 yards. Aaron Jones starts rolling after that, 55 total yards of offense on that drive, ending with the 29-yard touchdown. It was really, I thought, interesting and maybe even poetic that this game ended without, I mean, Devontae Adams had a fine game, Aaron Jones had a fine game, Aaron Rodgers' stats were fine, but it wasn't a dominating performance by one individual player. You heard the term complimentary football a lot, yeah. and whether it was offense or defense with Bashad Breeland stepping up with a pick six, Clay Matthews I thought had a really good game. They complimented both sides of the the football there, and realistically, I mean that was the best game that they've played going back to that Week Four matchup against the Bills. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about that in terms of some things that we saw that we hadn't necessarily seen from the Packers. But real quickly, the Green Bay Packers get ready for game day with the powerful noise canceling technology of Bose Quiet Comfort 35 headphones. To learn more at www.bose.com/packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. All right, Wes, if you were to ask me, what were the two things that we saw in this game that we just haven't seen in through these through the Packers' struggles over the last month and a half? It was converting on third down, and it was getting a big game-changing play from the defense. The third downs, seven out of thirteen. Maybe is because I finally went through all of the horrible, crappy numbers <laughs> on third down on last Friday's show. The Packers had converted eight third downs in their last three games combined. They converted seven on Sunday. That that tells you right there how much of an improvement it was. Now, a couple of those were Aaron Rodgers scrambles. It wasn't that everything was smooth and hunky-dory and completely in rhythm on third down. But if you're going to convert 7 out of 13, you take that anytime. And then on the defensive side, Bashad Breeland getting that pick six. The Falcons make the mistake on special teams after the Packers score. I forget the returner's name, but he muffs the kickoff. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, he muffs the kickoff yeah, at the Hall. goal line. And he only gets out to, what is it, the eight-yard line. Right. So the Falcons are in a field position bind. And then sure enough, a few plays later, Matt Ryan tries to force one in there, and Breland is there for the pick, and he just waltzes into the end zone. Suddenly a 10-7 game, Marvin Hall, Marvin right? Hall. Yep. Suddenly a 10-7 game is 17-7. Is to 7. The Packers are in complete control, and that defense is riding high. The, the last interception the Packers had was Breland's at Lambeau Field against Miami, right? Uh, three, 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 four weeks prior, whatever it was. And it was the first pick six by a Green Bay Packers defender since week five of last season at Dallas. So we talk all the time about how big those types of plays are. And yeah, in a 34 to 20 game, it, you know, it kind of just becomes another play. But at the time, 10 to 7, second quarter, and it goes to 17 to 7, I thought it really took whatever. Whatever energy the Falcons might have had from getting a touchdown on their opening drive, it was gone by then. You know, there's three things. It's like Wes Hodd's three things always here that really stood out to me about this defensive performance. The first one is, got to tip your cap to Mike Pettin, Joe Witt Jr. 
for what they did with the defensive passing game. Here's the deal, Mike. You don't have Kevin King. He's gone the rest of the year. Hamstring injury, injury right. reserve. We'll see you in 2019. So they start three rookie cornerbacks with Tremont Williams playing safety. Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, and Tony Brown. Tony Brown. An undrafted yeah. rookie who started the season on the team's practice squad. You have Bashad Breeland available. He's up. He has. He's coming off the groin injury. It would have been really enticing for a pass defense that has had to weather a lot of injuries. He yeah. finally gets somebody back here to throw Breeland out there and just you know put the pedal to the metal. Petten didn't do that. Witt didn't do that. They were very strategic with how they used him. He even mentioned it afterwards. Breeland did, in that there you know he was on kind of a rep count. They wanted to be smart with him because they don't want to have one more aggravation. That could be the season. Well, didn't we see, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, didn't we see at one point early on a defensive package with eight, eight defensive, defensive backs. backs on he the field? He wasn't on the field. And Breland wasn't one of them. Yep. Eight defensive backs on the field, and Breland was still on the sideline. That's how careful they were being with Eddie him. Pleasant and Will Redmond entered in that <laughs> package, and Breland was still on the sideline. So here's the deal. Breland finally comes in, makes the, the tackle right before that play, and then, as he's done so many times now throughout his career, is able to just perfectly time his jump. He knew it was basically one of two routes that they were going to be looking for on that play to Hooper. Gets in front of the ball, and he's off to the end zone. The other thing I really liked about you know this whole defensive performance is, and not to belabor what you're trying to avoid early on with that, the two upheld challenges. Yeah. Make of them what you will. I'm sure at some point this offseason you and I are going to be doing a Packers Unscripted <laughs> talking about, hey, I, we still don't know what a catch is. Right. But here's the thing I really liked about it, and the thing that you know, Jair Alexander, Tremont Williams, Clay Matthews, a number of guys talked about in the locker room. That same thing I was saying about how you know Joe Philbin's still sort of introducing himself to this defense. Right. He can talk until he is blue in the face about unity and respect, accountability, all the things that he preaches as a head coach. But until you are in the heat of battle – you don't know what it's like playing for a coach. Jair Alexander said it right from the beginning. He was matching Julio Jones. Having a head coach step up and say, you know what, I'm going to throw the challenge flag on the first one, which wasn't a catch. I don't care. If if me and my nephew Aiden are playing <laughs> football in the backyard, I would say, I'm sorry, son, that wasn't a catch. There's absolutely no way on God's green earth that that was a reception. It but gets carry upheld. On. But carry so, on. Two plays later, a more of a traditional challenge where it was, you know, is Julio Jones inbounds, right, inbounds, out of bounds, out of bounds right. tough call. Right. Joe Philbin is at a point right there where he has to make a decision. Do I want to challenge this <laughs> and not have any challenges the rest of the game? Does it mean enough to me? And Jair Alexander said this, Tremont Williams said it. That was the quintessential moment of a head coach saying, you know what, I have your back, I trust your talent. And even though they both got upheld, I think that gave this defense some juice. They ended up scoring on that drive, no question about it. But the next five or six possessions, I forget what it was, they hold the Falcons scoreless. Six, six possessions. Six, six possessions, possessions, no points. They caught a break. They caught a break with the one botched third down by Matt Ryan where yeah. he lost a handle on the ball and lost a bunch of yards, and then they missed the field goal. Yeah. But other than that, the other the other five possessions, one of them being the, six pick, the, the pick six, excuse me, the other five possessions, no points, no no even real threatening to score then until the game was 34-7 to and it was well in hand. For Incredible. The yeah. And I, I think that that was one of the things when, you know, we didn't have a chance to talk to Mike Pettin yet, but I have to imagine Mike Pettin appreciated that because when you're in the heat, when, when things are going down, you give up 48 yards off the 
first two plays that you feel are not completions, you need to be able to show that you're willing to step up for your guys. I think Joe Philbin did that. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of having your back, I want to return to that topic in a second here, Wes. But at home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. All right, you said it. The defensive players felt that their head coach, their new head coach, their interim head coach, whatever you want to call it, had their back with those early challenges. As dubious as the strategy might have been, and Philbin admitted that after the game, that throwing the second challenge flag less than two minutes into the game, probably not not necessarily the uh, um, the smartest move from a strategic standpoint to make. But we saw at the end of the first half, Aaron Rodgers takes a shot from Atlanta defensive back Brian Poole as he scrambles, goes into a slide, takes a pretty big whack to the back of the shoulder, uh, you know, somewhere on on the backside there. Didn't didn't hit him in the head, didn't hit him with his head, as far as I could tell. But a Packers offensive line down three starters playing with three reserves in Lucas Patrick, Justin McCray, and Jason Spriggs, all filling in up front. The first guy down the field to defend Mr. Rogers and ended up creating a little bit of a melee, if you want to call it that, in the in the middle of the field there is Lucas Patrick, the uh, former undrafted player out of Duke. And uh, Aaron Rodgers said it flat out after the game as far as his teammates' reaction to him getting hit like that, he said, I loved it. Yeah, the moustached enforcer, as I said <laughs> on Twitter right afterwards. If you know anything about Lucas Patrick, though, and you know, I believe this was only his third career NFL start, but if you go to training camp practices, if you go to some of these preseason games, he's not afraid to mix it up. And I think you <laughs> no always doubt. have to have some of those guys. TJ Lang was one of those guys. Evan Smith was one of those guys. Mike um, D has always been one of Mike those guys D, absolutely. on the other side of the ball, yeah. That if you got to step up for your teammate, you have to step up for your quarterback, you're going to do that. You know, you can get into a whole discussion on whether or not uh, Poole's hit was illegal or illegal. I think from the, the law, the, the rule, the what am I trying to say here? The law of the land? The letter of the letter law. Letter of the law. Thank you, Michael. There you go. English major, communications <laughs> major. Uh, is that it probably was a clean hit, but it was a rough physical hit. It was a big, that was a big Poole, time hit. Poole left his, his body and, and threw his shoulder, almost his head, into the back of Rogers. So here comes 308-pound <laughs> Lucas Patrick and his buddy Corey Lindsley charging down the field, and they went right into the fray. Patrick ends up getting into a little bit of a dust-up with Deion Jones. Very interested to see what the the league does with Deion Jones because well, I know Jones was the first one to throw a punch. Right. And I was I was surprised. I said to you, sitting in the press box, as soon as it happened, when Jones kind of jumped on top of everybody, mm-hmm. you could see him swing his arm. I'm like, well, there's an ejection. Yeah. And they didn't throw him yeah, out I wasn't of the game. Surprised. Now, but, yeah. but I think he's going to get one of those FedEx envelopes in his locker on Wednesday, don't you think? Yeah, I think he's going to just not get a paycheck this week. I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough thing. I don't know what his, his stuff had been in the past. But here's the deal. As far as Lucas Patrick, getting back to the original point here, Mike, this is a guy that if you remember him from two years ago, over two years ago now, he comes into the Green Bay Packers. He's on a tryout, right, at rookie orientation camp. Yeah. They bring him in. They give him a couple meals. They, they tap him on the head, say, good job, son. They send him on his way. He, he's getting ready to move on to his real, the real world. And the Packers end up calling him back. They give him a chance to come into training camp the next year. Doesn't make the roster, but ends up on the practice squad the whole year. And then last year, 
due to probably a lot of attrition and injuries on the offensive line, he ends up making the roster with, with uh, Justin McCray right. as their backup interior offensive lineman. This is a guy that has been through the back roads of the NFL, and, and one of the things he mentioned in the locker room afterwards is Aaron Rodgers and what he's done for him, kind of having his arm uh, around his shoulder and having his back over the years as a foremost tryout guy, now protecting the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Rodgers has been there. He's supported him, and with given the opportunity, he wants to reciprocate. He wants to have Rodgers back. Uh, he's not afraid. He was asked about, okay, you were pretty light, with the offensive line, if you get tossed there, did you think about what that could mean? And he's like, no, I, I, I really didn't. That didn't enter my head. But he said it was a reaction. He wanted to go out there and have his quarterbacks back. And Devontae Adams, I thought, had a really interesting quote, too. You know, as a, a Pro Bowl receiver, uh, kind of having a knowledge of of Patrick saying, this is one of the toughest guys I've been around. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the mustache. But uh, obviously it meant a lot for the Packers to see him step up. Well, it certainly meant a lot to Aaron Rodgers, and Rodgers also referenced in his uh, post-game press conference the a similar type of situation. Two years ago down in Tennessee, Rodgers, uh, Packers are losing the game by a fairly large margin, but Rodgers scrambles and scores a touchdown, and he's three, four yards into the end zone and gets hit by a Tennessee Titans defender and a bunch of guys, as Roger said, here comes the cavalry. Like a bunch of guys really came to his, his defense there. And it was actually a video clip that Rogers kept on his phone because he liked it so much of how, how his guys kind of rallied around him when, uh, when he took a, an unnecessary shot from a defensive player there. So personally, I thought for everything that we've seen over the last several weeks, how the Packers have come out of the locker room after halftime at Seattle, at Minnesota, against Arizona, really being flat and not having any energy yeah. in, the, in, in the second half. I thought the fact that that happened right before halftime, and I'm sure that was what all those guys were talking about in the locker room for that 12, 13-minute intermission, I thought that had a big factor in the Packers coming out and bang, bang, two touchdowns on two drives to start the second half and putting that game away. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I mean, it also I, I was the headline on my, my sidebar is that, you know, this team still has a lot of fight left. I think that showed you what yeah. fight this team has left. If, and Rodgers said, said that as well. Yeah. That was one of his comments. If, you're, if your quarterback's getting hit like that and you aren't stepping up, I'm not saying you have to go in there and start throwing haymakers at guys, but, <laughs> no. I mean, no, you, pushing the pile a little bit and showing them that it's not going to stand. Yeah. You need to be able to, to check the, the temperature a little bit like that, Lucas Patrick did it back in the day just out of curiosity did you ever wear a mustache at all no i can't no? I, I can't grow one if oh, okay. i if lucas i lucas patrick's tried. is pretty good oh yeah he's if he's... if you're standing on the field and you see that man number 62 308 pounds wearing that mustache coming after you you know it's on yeah well and and somehow he avoided the unnecessary roughness penalty because they gave they gave it to Corey Lindsley. they gave it to number 63 yeah. instead of number 62 ended up being offsetting and it didn't matter but it's how it sounded like uh Lindsley kind of got a kick out of that after the game when he was told the penalty was actually called on him yeah it was pretty pretty funny how that works out now we're gonna have to see what the league has to say about that on Friday but yeah. uh <laughs> You know, be that as it may. Yeah, maybe maybe Corey Lindsley's FedEx envelope is going to end up in <laughs> Lucas Patrick's locker by the time practice is over. But but, uh, but yeah, those are those are the I, you know those are the type of moments where you really see what your team is made out of. And yeah. I, I thought you know credit to the offensive linemen. I mean, also give credit to Patrick and McCray and just Jason Spriggs for stepping up the way they did. I, I know it wasn't a hundred percent clean performance. There's some plays they wanted to have back, but that's a tough spot to be in to be down three offensive linemen. The Packers were up to the task. Yeah. Well, it was a big weekend in NFL football, Wes, and I know we're, we're kind of up against it time-wise here. And with 
The Vikings and the Seahawks playing on Monday Night Football. Let's save our discussion of the rest of the week in the league for tomorrow. We'll have a lot more time to go over everything with the Bears and the Vikings and and where everything stands. So for now, let's just call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com, on Twitter for his mustache comments. He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.